this week on The Inswinger. Is this a sign that they're going to be title challengers? We talked about this last week. I'm not sure, because should they be in this position against Wolves? Well, I don't know, but they found themselves in it, and they got out of it. But nobody thought they were for real in the top four race, and now I think everybody does, yeah. right? So, so that's a positive for Ange. So if United's board are undermining the desires of Ten Hag, they're doomed. Maybe, maybe just something. If I'm nitpicking, there was just something missing attacking-wise. Champions League coming up this week. We had the Premier League back in action after international break. Much needed action after the snooze fest that was the international break. I think the highlight of the international break was the Sidemen charity game, uh, which was which was great, great content. Um, but we're going to get into it with some chat about our, our, our fellows at the top of the table. West Ham hosted Man City at the weekend. Man City, four from four, uh, would make it five from five to start the Premier League season. Uh, my boys, West Ham, went 1-0 up in the game. It was a you know, textbook West Ham goal. Bowen to Soufal, great run by Soufal uh, into the, the path of James Ward-Prowse. Uh, great stooping header, uh, and then City kind of did what City do. I think the talking point here is Jeremy Doku. Uh, he had a, a great game. He scored the goal immediately after halftime, uh, and then City, it just felt inevitable. I think the, a couple of the goals were a bit soft. West Ham had a bunch of chances, really. Zuma had a chance. It was a great save from Ederson. Emerson had a chance. So I think there's positives to take away if you're a West Ham fan, especially given how we played them at home last year, where it was just so demoralizing. So I think steps were being taken in the right direction. But City, it's just another kind of comfortable in the end, 3-1 win, cruising now. Yeah, I mean, like you said, inevitable is the word, right? They just It's just hard to see them dropping many points especially to teams no offense like West Ham you know I mean like, offense they just, taken I mean we're sitting up listen, there in six they they take care of business yeah one way or another right we saw them against Sheffield United left it late took care of business it just seems like they're a team that always finds a way yeah. you know and, and that's what great teams do speaking of another team that found a way uh your boys Everton host at Arsenal uh you guys have a, a, had a pretty good record against the Gunners at home but fell 1-0 what did you make of your boys' performance you know once everybody caught on to the narrative that ooh Everton they actually have a decent record against Arsenal at home I knew we were going to lose <laughs> I just knew it I just knew it listen it was uh it was a slugfest it was not a fun watch Arsenal dominated the ball they really had most of the momentum the whole game I thought they I thought they played quite well. Few changes. Vieira coming in for Havertz. Thought he had a couple moments. Defensively, Everton were solid, well organized, as you'd expect. They limit Arsenal they limited Arsenal to to few chances really. I mean, Arsenal, like I said, had a lot of the ball, but didn't create many clear cut opportunities. A lot of half chances. Trossard scored a great goal. So in terms of, you know, the Everton side of things. Defensively sound, really. Branthwaite played well. Mikalenko had one of his better games. But going forward, there was really nothing there. I mean, maybe a penalty claim uh, on Decore. But we really just didn't get our attacking players into the game. Beto tried his best. He ran hard. McNeil and Dan Juma, we really didn't see much of them. So we never really threatened Arsenal. And I thought Saliba had a, had a really, really good game up against Beto. Just just nullified every every threat that was thrown at him. So Arsenal... Very sound defensively as well. It was kind of a defensive slugfest. But although they only scored one goal, Arsenal, I thought they they looked sharp. They moved the ball really quickly, which was impressive. But I think, you know, we have in our notes here, was there something missing? Perhaps. It it just seems like maybe 
there's something missing in the final third in terms of just guile and and mm. star quality. And I like Inkedia, but I think if they had someone, you know, if they had a Holland, it right. could be, it could have been more. They created, you know, they got the ball in dangerous areas, but it did take a really good finish from Trossard yeah. to find a way past Everton. And maybe that's credit to Deitch and Everton for being organized, uh, because I think everything up until the box looks good for Arsenal. Like they, they, you know, they they moved it really quickly. Odegaard was sharp with those touches in tight spaces. But I do think maybe maybe just something. If I'm nitpicking, there was just something missing attacking wise. Yeah, for them. and I think that can be kind of put down to Jesus. I think, and this is kind of my own fault here. Thinking back to Arsenal at the beginning of last season, comparing them to the beginning of this season, if you remember, I mean, Jesus was so good for them right away last season, and then he was out for a while, and Enketia stepped up for a bit, um, but then he tailed off, and, and we're still seeing Enketia now. Jesus is, is getting back to full fitness, so I think I'm answering my own question here. Was there something missing? I think Jesus is that missing piece. Mm. Martinelli did go off injured, which yeah. is a bit of a worry, but I, I do rate Trossard really highly. Yeah, great sub to come Even on, Reese I mean. Nelson, I rate uh Decently enough for a depth option. I'm surprised he's still there. Left. I thought I he was going to leave too. He, he could be a Premier League starter. I definitely, think. definitely yeah. uh, for an Everton or a West yeah. Ham or someone like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do think Jesus is important not only because of his finishing ability; it's mostly his movement. He's yeah, exactly in the box, great with the ball, and him up top with Saka and Martinelli. It's just so much going on, and that's when it's hard to keep track. It of. is because Enkedia is when more you see of the a, easy chances, a yeah. poacher sort of, a yeah. really good finisher. But I thought he was quiet. In a game like this, you need Jesus to yeah. just confuse Tarkovsky and Branthwaite because yeah. they were just like, okay, we'll we'll deal with this. You yeah. know, you, you know, break us down. And Inkedia, he's just a different type of player, and I, I think he was quiet in this game. So I, if I were Arteta, I think I'd expect him to bring Jesus back mm. in next week or this midweek maybe against PSV. Yeah, and moving on to uh, a couple other dramatic games, Liverpool uh, traveled to Molyneux. Um, Gary O'Neill and Wolves' boys – Made it tricky. It was an excellent first-half performance um, from the likes of Neto. Pedro Neto is one of these players that has kind of always been sneaky good, hasn't really been able to produce the numbers, but caused Liverpool major uh, issues. Um, I, I think Liverpool went 1-0 down uh, and came back. Robertson scored a late winner. Um, but you're, again, you're seeing, I think, hey, Hakpo equalized. Robertson scored the winner. You're seeing Liverpool of old in their mentality. I think that's something Klopp always prided them on. Uh, you know, when he first got here, the mentality monsters, and they were super frail last year, not just in midfield, but it seemed mentally. They mm -hmm. weren't all there, and you're seeing a couple late comebacks that have real grit to them, and all signs are pointing to them, you know, getting back to where they want to be. Is this sign, is this a sign that they're going to be title challengers? We talked about this last week. I'm not sure, because should they be in this position against Wolves? Well, I don't know, but they found themselves in it, and they got out of it, uh, which is a sign of a good team. Um, but I'm not still fully convinced on Liverpool. I, my question on, on their notes was, are, they both, are Liverpool and we'll get to Spurs both for real? I don't know. For real, in terms of top four, yes. In terms of the title, not yet. Not sure. Yeah. Just because, like we've been talking about, I said it, I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to have double standards here. I held Arsenal to that same, you know, criticism uh, in, in finding themselves down and having to rely on dramatic comebacks. And I, I have to hold Liverpool to that as well. While it was impressive. And it was big three points early in the season not to drop. Should they be in that position against a Wolves team that's really been uninspiring thus yeah. far this year? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, concerning first half, right? Tale of two halves. Wolves had a lot, started the game with a lot of momentum. 
Um, but, you know, like we said, good teams can turn it around. They can create something out of nothing. They can get back into the game. And that's what we saw from Liverpool. So away from home, on paper, 3-1, great result. When you look into the game, yeah, there are things to improve upon for sure. But I think, like we said last week, it's going to take time. A lot of new guys to integrate. We saw Gravenberch come on at the end. I don't think Jones, McAllister, Sabazlai is the midfield yet. No. I like Curtis Jones, but I think he's a bench option in reality. So I think we have to give him time to, to gel. But again, the attacking uh, players produce and will continue to produce. We know they're going to score a lot of goals this season. So a couple things to improve upon, but... You know, definitely a good result and, and a much improved second half performance to the first half for and, Liverpool. And Spurs, what are your thoughts on Spurs? I mean, it's Ange Ball back at it. The tempo wasn't quite there for the first, you know, hour, 75 minutes-ish mark. Um, but two two goals in stoppage time, dramatic winner. I mean, it, it it's a big positive vibes moment right now in North London. And I feel like the manager has a lot to do with that, not only for the tactics, but for the culture he's created and reinstore yeah. back at the club. I think actually somewhat similar to the Arsenal Everton game, a lot of the ball for Spurs threatened, but Sheffield United made it difficult. They yeah. they frustrated them. They sat back, they said break us down. <clears throat> and that's not always an easy task. So, it was a different challenge for Spurs. And yeah, they left it late, but they got it done, which is something, you know, I don't think I necessarily expected them. I was watching this game and I was like I might just have it here. You know, mm. Spurs, they haven't had much, really, in front of goal. But their their quality players delivered. I mean, good for Richarlison coming off the bench. They've, Like we've been saying, they found a way. So re- I look at it as a positive, even though they left it late and, and squeaked the win. It, it's not an easy task to break down a Sheffield United team who basically just sat back the whole game, right? I mean, they, they were organized. Um, I think conceding the goal might be something to look at. You know, defensively, are they there yet? Maybe not. Um, but going forward, again, a lot of the ball looks pretty on the eye. I think they still have a little bit to go in terms of chance creation. I think it's a little bit... Uh, they could take more risks, maybe, mm-hmm. in and around the area. So I think, again, building, growing. I think they'll get there. Are they for real? No, I don't think anyone thinks they're for real in the title race. But nobody thought they were for real in the top four race, and now I think everybody does, yeah. right? So so that's a positive for Ange. Um, I mean, nobody expected Spurs to be in the top four conversation at the start of the season, and, and they are. Yeah, they are big time. And I think a turning point in this game was Richarlison, getting a goal, getting an important goal, kind of trying to get the fans back on side, has yeah. not really done it. Uh, and Kulisevsky, <clears throat> same thing. He's kind of been hot or cold. He scored, It was a brilliant finish to win it. Um, and all of a sudden... You have Brennan Johnson coming off of the bench, and you have options. And I think despite losing Harry Kane, there's a fluidity to Spurs mm. nowadays uh, that wasn't necessarily there because Kane, you know, he was so good, but you had to play a specific way. You had to let him drop deep, and it, it perhaps compromised the strengths of a son or a Kulisevsky. But now all of a sudden you have Madison dropping in, you know, influencing the game at a high level uh, seemingly every week. Um, so if you're Spurs, I agree with you. I don't think anyone thinks they're for real in the title race, but I think the big test comes next week uh, against Arsenal. If they can get a result against Arsenal, I think that will just solidify in their own minds that they are for real in this season. Because, yes, they've had an impressive start, but you know the only real team of note they've beaten are United, and United themselves have had a shaky start to the season. If they do it against their North London rivals... I think the narrative starts to change a little bit. Um, Ange will probably be doing all he can to kind of 
not ease expectations, but, you know, keep everyone grounded because Spurs fans are loving it right now. Uh, you don't want to get carried away. You want to remain grounded in the performances that they're getting week in, week out. And while they did grit out this rep- this performance, you know, for the majority of the game, Sheffield United were able to repel them with a low block, and that's what Spurs are going to see. Uh, if they're going to become a possession-based team like Ange wants them to be, and, and they have been under him, they have to be willing to adapt. And we talk about this a lot, you know, how can teams change depending on who they're playing. You know, this Spurs side for the past three, four years have been used to countering against pretty much everybody. Well, now the impetus is going to be on them uh, seemingly every week, maybe not against the Arsenals of the world, um, but that's going to be a fascinating game, I think, yeah. in terms of stylistically how Ange wants Spurs to play, yeah. how Arteta wants his team to play. I think it could be really open. and They're going to go at them. Spurs, Spurs are going to go at them. They are, and, and it's going to really be a exciting. big test for Spurs' defense, I think. Mm. Um, Arsenal going to be coming off Champions League game midweek. Uh, I'm not sure who they're playing. Their group wasn't super stacked, but that's going to be a big deal for them. Yeah. Um, uh, Europe midweek. The, uh, it's not the Thursday they had to deal with last year. It's a little bit different, but it's going to be a lot of emotion in that team. Arsenal, they've been out of the Champions League for so long, and then to to go and play your North London rival next week out, it's going to be a huge week for the Gunners after, you know, it was a big win uh, on Sunday. Hmm. Um, and then finally, uh, for our Premier League review, Man United. Um, United are in a world of trouble right now. My question on the notes was, is it panic time? And while it still seems like it's early in the season, it's it's panic time, I think, because of the injuries and the yeah. off-the-field stuff. They're just a mess right now. Not all of it. Some of it is Ten Hag's fault, I think. Um, but some of it is just not on them. They got really unlucky with the Mount injury, the Varane, even Martinez has been out. Um, obviously, all this Anthony stuff, not even to mention Greenwood. Um, it's just a mess right now, and I think the word that springs to mind when it comes to United's issues is continuity. There isn't a lot of continuity in the personnel that's going out there every week. There isn't a lot of continuity in how they want to play, and just the general climate of the club and all these club statements. It's just like it feels it's like everything is in limbo, and I feel like it all stems from you know, the failed sale that didn't go through in the spring, and I think that's really been – there's been a real trickle-down effect onto the pitch – um, and there's just a complete lack of unison and cohesion and, and continuity in this team. So I do feel for Ten Hag a bit because some of it is not on him. Um, some of it is, though. And yeah. one thing I, I, I'll, I'll let you – I want to talk about Marcus Rashford, but I'll, I'll give you a chance to talk about United right now. I think everyone is to blame, really. I think Ten Hag has to be held accountable a little bit. I mean, and the, you look at the players, they're just not performing. I mean, sixes. I mean, literally look at the stats. They're all sixes maybe a seven here and there. It's just not good enough. No. At especially at home, Old Trafford. I mean, Brighton's a <laughs> Brighton's a big team now. Yeah. Like they're good. Like show up. They just they just haven't showed up. Um, you know, Gary Neville was questioning whether the players are good enough. For me, you could pick out individuals that aren't good enough, but he, you got to be up for it. Yeah. You got to I I want to see more from United, especially at home, especially against a good team. You know, prove to us that you can do it and they just they just haven't you know i <laughs> there are good players there fernandez rashford casemiro erickson like those are big names they just haven't done it i think rashford may, you know we know he can score goals you know i'm not saying like get rid of the whole team i i think there is a team here 
So, and then you have to look at Ten Hag. Why aren't they performing? He tinkered here with sort of a diamond in midfield. I, I just don't think that's it. But again, the injuries, there's an injury crisis. Yeah. There's a there's a board ownership crisis. And now there's sort of an on-the-pitch crisis because the players aren't performing. So I don't think this is a case of, like, dreadful transfer window. They needed to overhaul the squad. Like, no, there should be guys there who can put up a better fight than this. And that's the concerning thing. Yeah, this is, in my mind, phase two of, of Ten Hag, and there has to be a progression. And there has to be a progression in the in the tactics, in you know elevating the way Ten Hag wants to play, but there also has to be a progression in the players. And, and I spoke about Rashford before, and I do want to talk about him because it was everywhere on, on Twitter over the weekend. His inability to, to, to be unselfish as a player and that he is a goal scorer, but he plays on the wing, and when you have someone like Hoyland up next to him... You have to be able to see that pass. And he's becoming a bit predictable. In he is dangerous with his pace and his finishing ability. He's lethal on the break. But when United are in a position where they have the ball and whether a goal goes in or not depends on your decision in the final third, he has to improve. That's on him. That's on Ten Hag. That's on him, the coaching staff right now. Because for all you can blame, you know, the skill set of players not matching Ten Hag's identity because of poor recruitment over the years at United and various managers wanting different styles. Marcus Rashford's been there throughout all of that, and none of them have really nailed on. And he's been around for a long time now, just being a better passer. And it sounds simple, but it's just a weakness and flaw in his game that is completely isolating what he does so well because he, what he does so well is he gets into creative positions and he can burst past the defender you know like few in the world can but if you can't if it's just you there if you're playing iso ball i hate to use that term it's basketball but if you're yeah. playing iso ball it's just not going to be effective no. and hoyland looked bright he had a goal disallowed the yeah. ball you know, just went over the line so positive signs there uh, for Hoyland. Speaking of people who, who look up for it and look determined, I think he's yeah. one of them. You need characters like that. Yeah. And that's a, a key it's word. United. It's like, United we're I talking just, about. It just doesn't seem like, you, yeah. like it. You need a spine. <laughs> you need character, right. characters that are up for it. And yeah. like you said, are they? I don't know. Um, and that, that, that can't be a question if you're, no, if it you're, can't if be if a you're question. Man United we're talking At about. At home. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, I know... Reggion and Delo aren't the ideal fullbacks, but we've seen Delo play well. And we've he was seen good him, last we've season. We've seen him show character too. Yeah, exactly. So I know Lindelof as well. Like, probably shouldn't be at the club anymore. Let, right. Let's be real. But injuries, blah blah blah. He has to play. Like, my point is, there are guys there to do better than this, and they're not. So that's a problem. That's on Ten Hag. That's on the players. He's gonna have to sort it out. And I'd also. Um... I'd like to talk about the Harry Maguire thing because he leaked stuff to the press or did an interview saying how he was sick of this criticism he was getting. It was unfair. Um, the move to West Ham collapsed, and he, he, Man United were happy for him to stay, and he was happy to fight for his place. I don't know how true that is from the Man United perspective, but what I do know is that Ten Hag opted to play Bruno as a center back instead of bringing Maguire on. That doesn't seem like someone who's overly keen on him staying at the club. So again, there's this disconnect between what the players are saying or maybe thinking and what Ten Hag is saying and thinking and then what the board is doing. Mm. There's no cohesion and there's no continuity. And when we look at clubs who are doing so well, take their opponent, Brighton. I mean, as a club, Brighton might be the best-run club in the world because there's such understanding on every level in the club they don't, they don't get into these issues where 
they're being forced to play Harry Maguire at, uh, at Bruno Fernandes at center back because they don't want to bring Maguire on. That doesn't happen. It's like, if you don't want Maguire here, okay, he's sold. And if he wants to pay off, it's like, okay, fine, we'll pay the extra $6 million. It's Man United we're talking about. You can afford it. Like, that's, that's a, it's a penny, right? So that's where my issue lies in yeah. that there's just a clear misunderstanding that cannot happen because when everyone's not on the same page, you've got no chance to succeed against the Man Cities of the world and the Arsenals of this world and the Liverpools of this world who are always on the same page, and it starts with the manager. And that's what I bring back to Ten Hag. You know, maybe leaving tactics aside, can he have his own image of what the club should be and does he have the power to implement it? And by power, power, I mean, does he have the power to say, no, John Murta, I want Maguire gone, figure out this payoff? Because if it's Sir Alex Ferguson we're talking about, that gets done. If it's Pep Guardiola we're talking about, it gets done. If it's Klopp we're talking about, it gets done. Heck, if it's even Arteta, it gets done. So if United's board are undermining the desires of Ten Hag, they're doomed, uh, is basically what I'm saying. I mean, how many times are we going to sit here and say, you know, once United have sacked a manager, well, they didn't back him. It just, <laughs> there's a common theme here, right? We saw it. I know maybe Mourinho wasn't the best guy, and, you know, they've made poor appointments, but... Ultimately, we keep talking about backing the manager. Yeah, <laughs> You've got to back the manager, or else what's the point of bringing him in? There has to be a connection. Yeah. There seems to be, like we said, a disconnect. Yeah. That's not good. You look at Brighton. I mean, they're playing Dahoud and Gross as a midfield, too, and they played you off the park. You know, and like Ten Hag, just one quick thing. Ten Hag in his postgame was saying, Brighton have spent money, too. You know, we're, we've spent money, yeah. but that's not it. Brighton's total value of their starting 11 was 16 million pounds. Yeah. So don't talk to me about money spent. Yeah, like, exactly. And I think when it comes to backing the manager, it's not just financially in the market, I think. It's like what we're saying. It's the decisions you're making around the club. Like, can he be the figurehead for Man United? Yeah. And if they don't trust him to do that, they're not, they're not going to go anywhere. And it looked like, you know, like he made some big calls, Ronaldo, to yep. name one, right? Yep. And it's Stripping Maguire of the captaincy. Like, he's made big decisions. But I don't know if the rest of the club is with him on yeah. that, right? I just, it's hard to tell. Like, what's the vision? What, what way, first of all, what way do you want to play? That's, that's not a Ten Hag in the team. Yep. But what's the overall vision? And I, we've talked about this so many times where, with United. Like, where are they going? Are and they going? and I, we're still yet to figure that out. And it looked like they were going in the right direction last year with a yeah. progressive manager who was improving players to a certain extent um, and who could revitalize maybe the transfer activity and bring in different targets. But if I'm being honest with Ten Hag, a lot of these transfer targets – it's kind of a running joke that he's just getting players who have played in the Dutch league, which this year was not the case. But it's like all their secondary <clears> targets <throat> are. That's where I'm not I'm not fully on board. Um, and question, questions will be asked inevitably because it's United, because of where they sit in the league. That's just a given. Um, and the big question now is, will he have time to figure things out? Because it was another embarrassing defeat to Brighton. Um, and we could wax lyrical about you know Brighton's brilliance on the field, off the field, and recruitment in the transfer market uh they really are you know a top top club in that in that regard okay we're going to move on from the premier league uh finally get into some champions league preview champions league is back uh this is the final year there's going to be a group stage uh for the champions league next year it's expanding they're going to have a league format it's going to be like a big old big old table not sure how i feel about that uh but we're going to go through the eight groups the 32 teams is it eight or six i'm not actually sure uh one two three four five six seven eight yeah it's eight um, really excited. Uh, let's get into it. First group, 
Bayern, United, Copenhagen, Galatasaray. Some sneaky ones in here. Tasty. What's, what's your prediction? I think the obvious. I think Bayern top the group, and United finish second. I mean, Copenhagen probably finish bottom. Galatasaray could be sneaky. United have to be careful here. I think they have. They have. It's a team of the the misfits, right? Zaha and Ziyech and all the guys who, you know, either ran out of contract or or you know their clubs didn't want them. Cardi. So they've got a few guys who can who can cause some trouble for sure. So I think that's the that's the banana skin fixture if you're Man United and if you're Bayern. But I still think Bayern definitely top the group. They're the best team on paper. They have the best coach. You know, simple as that. I th- I think I'll still say United in second, but watch out for Galatasaray. They they maybe could surprise a few people. It might not be enough to get them through, but they might have a sneaky result or two. Yeah, Galatasaray is a good one. Um, they've made a couple interesting signings. I mean, can you see Zaha scoring at Old Trafford? Because yes. I can. <laughs> I, I can see it. I can see it happening. I can see Harry Maguire on the floor oh, and them scoring. Byron, I'm going to be really intrigued to watch with Kane. Yeah. Watched a bit of him in the Bundesliga. I think this is going to be a different test. I'm really excited he'll to see it. He'll be up for it, He'll be up for it. I think he'll be up with for his, it. With his Skechers boots. I'm not yeah. sure about that, though. Well, it affects his performance <laughs> on the pitch. <laughs> uh, Galatasaray, they, who else they signed? They signed a Cardi. They actually got... They, they had ZX, Zaha, Cardi, right? Zaha, Cardi. That's something. I feel like um, I'm missing someone, but yeah. Yeah, me too. I predict Bayern to win the group, but... I am not sold on United no. getting through. I'm just not. Um, I'm not either, but I find it hard to believe that they won't. Yeah. They, here's the thing with United. We've seen them get big results in we the have. Champions we League. We have. PSG, I mean, nobody, like under Ollie. I, I think there's something about the Champions League that might get these guys up for it to see them beat, you know, fend off Galatasaray, Copenhagen. I think if they beat those two teams both times. Yeah, if you get, if you get that, that's, that could be 12 points. Right. Um, so even you're, 10 you're if you draw. So, yeah, they could lose both games to Bayern. Gonna be an interesting one. Next group, this one's got a bit Europa League vibe. It's so Europa League. Uh, Sevilla, Arsenal, PSV, and uh, Lyon. Uh, Lyon are a weird one. They got rid of one of their, their best player. Uh, what was his name? He went to Saudi Arabia. Oh, Seko Fofana? Yeah, Seko Fofana. Great player. He's gone. They brought in uh, a West Ham target, a striker. I think his name's Elias something. Uh, he's a forward. They're sneaky good. PSV. Got a lot of Americans these days. Dest, Pepe, uh, they're yeah. bringing in all the Americans. Cheeky. Bakayoko's a good player on the right, too. He's linked yes. to a few Premier League yes. teams. He was linked with Brentford, uh, but he wanted to stay at PSV. Sevilla, we know they're potent in the Europa League, but they tend to drop out of the Champions League to get into the Europa League. But they're always a threat, but they're stinking it up right now in La Liga. Yeah. But I think the story of this group is Arsenal. The return of Arsenal to the Champions League. How will their squad cope with playing midweek against against higher echelon teams? Really excited. I mean, you talk about Declan Rice. This is probably why he made this move, uh, you know, to, to challenge, but to play in the Champions League. And that's why th- this project has been leading to this. And it is a big deal um, for them. I predict them to win the group. I had to pick someone coming second. I'm not sold on Sevilla. I'm really not sold. On, I think Lons could could surprise some people. Mm. Uh, outside shout from me. I'm just not fully sold on Sevilla. But to be fair, I have liked what I've seen so far from PSV in the Eredivisie. They, they've had a hot start. Uh, I think they could finish second. Them or Lons. But Sevilla, I think, might have a stinker. I think Sevilla are in trouble. They're bottom of the La Liga right now. Maybe yep. they moved up this weekend. But last time I checked, they were bottom. Potential sister club of Everton with yeah. the 777 ownership. Not going to get into that. But, yeah, I, I don't love them here. 
Um, I think Arsenal topped the group, like you said. Uh, and I think PSV. I think PSV sneak it. I think they've got a few guys who are who are dangerous up front. So, and I would like to see that too. It'd be nice to see, you know, Pepe and some Americans, you know, doing well in the Champions League. Noah Lang's a good player. Really good player. I rate him. Yep. So, I think PSV. Why not? Okay, next one. Uh, this one's got some heritage. Napoli, Madrid, Braga, and Union Berlin. Uh, I feel like it's pretty obvious yeah. that Madrid and Napoli go through, especially the, the season Napoli had last year. They do have a new manager now. Osman stayed, though. Caveradona's still there. Uh, Kim Min Jae is gone. Um, I forget who they brought in to replace him. This is a pretty straightforward group, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's Madrid and Napoli. I think Napoli will not be as good as last season. We've already seen that in the league with their form there. But they're certainly better than Braga and, and Berlin. Who It would be great to see Berlin do well. You know, they have we, have they ever been in the Champions League? Isn't this their I first time? I feel like ever? it might have been a first-time first thing. I think it could be a first-time. Brendan Aronson, is he going to get his... his yeah, <laughs> I mean, from <laughs> from relegated with Leeds to the, to the Champions League, you know, that's uh, quite a story, but... Yeah, you'd like to think Napoli can can get the edge here, and, and Madrid will will certainly walk the group. So, yeah, straightforward in Group C. All right, moving on, we have got an interesting one. This one's a bit more balanced. Benfica and Inter both had really good campaigns last year uh, in the Champions League. Sociedad and Salzburg round out that group. Salzburg have always got you know, one or two diamonds in the rough, you know, waiting to make that next step. Inter have made a really solid start to life in Serie A this year. They smacked AC Milan yesterday, or maybe this past weekend. Benfica with Di Maria, a little renaissance. They're still, you know, in a, in a good spot. They had a great year last year, obviously. Um, Sociedad, not too sold on. Salzburg, not too sold on. This seems like it's another straightforward one, Benfica and Inter. Uh, that's, that's my thought. Yeah, thoughts. I agree. Inter have been... Very good in the league. They just pumped Milan in the derby. Benfica, we saw them have a really good campaign last year, like you said. They've always seemed to have a few guys that burst onto the scene and become 80 million-plus players. So wouldn't be surprised to see them go through again. I think Salzburg will be fun to watch. You know, a few diamonds in the rough, like you said. Sociedad, watch out for Kubo. Mm. But uh, I don't think they go through. <laughs> Kubo, <laughs> but he's yeah. been fun. Is he still on loan, or has he been bought? I feel like he's been on loan from Madrid for the last like, yeah, four years. I, I think he's still on loan. Yeah. Uh, had a cheeky game against, uh, or maybe not, because I feel like they played them yesterday. Yeah, didn't he play against them? Yeah, so he So I think he's... Um, he must be on permanent. Yeah, I think I think they own him. Okay. Maybe there's a buyback. Maybe. All right, Group E. This one's a bit Mickey Mouse, too. Uh, Feyenoord, Atletico, Lazio, and Celtic. Lazio under Maurizio Sarri. Um, they were in the Conference League last year, and I was like, ooh, that's the team I should probably be wa- watching out for. And they got knocked out, I think, in, in the quarters. Yeah, not a great cup team so far. I'm no. Sorry. Uh, Celtic under – who's their manager now? Uh, Brendan Rodgers. No. Is Did it? they bring him back? Didn't they bring him back? I can't it is. I, yeah, they did. I just did not pick that up. Okay. Uh, maybe they can surprise some guys, but I feel like uh, the Scottish teams just never have the squad. No, they just you know? don't. Have they the just quality. don't. That being said, Rangers did make the final of the Europa League a few years ago. Yeah, remember how bad they were in the Champions League? Yeah, yeah it was a joke. It was. It was um, Atletico, they've lost Xiao Felix, but they're still kind of. It's just Simeone. You know what you're going to get. Griezmann's probably going to pop up, although his game has changed recently. Um, 
It's a comfortable group for it's, Atletico. It's a comfortable grid but for Atletico, but I think even I think Celtic maybe will fancy their chances of got nicking something from Feyenoord or Lazio. If you do that, who knows? Maybe they'll they'll drop down into the Europa League. Yeah, and Lazio have not been great in the league so far. So I I'm still backing them to go through. Um, sort of a local team to my to my family in Italy. But uh, uh, I've I watched some Serie A highlights. I like some of their guys. Zicogni, Immobile still going. Still you know, Felipe around. Anderson, former West Ham yeah, player. Yeah. Luis Alberto still there. So new signing, Guendouzi. So they might kick into gear. I forgot about that. And uh, I think they play Atletico tomorrow. So that'll be a really interesting game at the Olympico. Um, so... Tough test, yeah. Uh, but really interesting. Two very, very different teams with Simeone. We know what we're getting from him, and uh, Maurizio Sarri, classic four-three-three. So that'll be an intriguing matchup, kind of a sleeper. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm going with Atleti and Lazio to make it through. I'd probably go with Atleti. I'm gonna go Feyenoord. Why not? Just for kicks. Back the Dutch. Yeah. All right, Group F, this is the group. So tasty. Newcastle returning to the Champions League, fresh off their Saudi takeover with some pure European giants. You've got PSG, Dortmund, AC Milan with the Geordies. I mean, every game is tasty. That's, a, that's awesome if you're a Newcastle yeah. fan. Not in terms of, like, they probably... But I mean, the we'll away get to the prediction. The away, the away days. days at Signal Iduna Park, oh. the San Siro, the Parc de Prince. Oh. I couldn't think of three better you ones. Just I honestly couldn't. Like... Yeah. Seriously, so that's so scenes. The Tonali Derby coming up. That's this week. Is it today? No, I mean uh, Wednesday. Uh, Is it this it's week? The first game. Yeah. yeah. So it's this week. And Milan um, are, just, are fresh off getting whooped by Inter, so maybe morale will be low. This group is so interesting. I think so many storylines. Dortmund without Bellingham now. PSG without Neymar, without Messi. It's Mbappe's show. Still there. Let's see it, buddy. You brought your French boys in. Dembele, yeah. Kolo Muani. What's going to happen? I think Newcastle will surprise some people. I think against Milan and Dortmund. They'll get a result in one of those games. One of those. And I think, yeah, PSG, they're probably going to dominate the ball. I think, I mean, when you just think about it, it's like Dan Burns going to have to line up against Mbappe probably. Maybe it'll be Trippier, but like. It's just the personnel. So brilliant, though. PSG it is. coming to St. James. It's great. That's it's so awesome. I, can, I will so be jealous. tuning in 100%. Uh, as for predictions, it's, it's tough, re- man. It's really tough. PSG, I, I don't have any trust in them and no. Luis Enrique and the players that are there. They usually get out of the group. Yeah, I think this is a total toss-up. I really yeah. do. I think if you're looking at a team, maybe... You just can't, because like Dortmund at their best can definitely get a result against PSG and hold their own against Milan and Newcastle. At their worst, they could fall flat against the other three. Milan, same thing. I feel like they've made a bunch of new signings. They had a great run last year to the semifinals, and then Newcastle. You don't know what you're gonna get. It's gonna be St. James. I think is gonna be a, a a shock to the to the traveling teams. It's gonna be fantastic to watch. And if they can nick a result or two on the road, they could qualify. So you got to keep your eye on this yeah. one. If I had to to put a prediction out there, I say PSG win the group and Newcastle finish second. Wow! I just think something amazing is going to happen at St James's Park, uh, and and in Milan and and Dortmund might struggle there. PSG might too, but I don't think Newcastle get a result. Yeah, Milan coming off of a really bad defeat, but they've got three wins before that, sitting in third in Serie A. I this is tough. I agree with you. I think PSG get it done just because they've got so much quality, especially in the attacking third. I think Enrique 
they might just kick into gear enough to to get by these teams. Newcastle, man, that would be scenes. That would be absolute scenes. I just, I don't know, man. Joe Linton in the Champions League, like it's just <laughs> Matt Lo- Sean Longstaff and, and Dortmund aren't always convincing no, in the Champions not. League either. Saying. They really yeah. don't have an amazing record. They've lost probably their best player. Yeah. Um, they're in seventh right now in Germany. It's just, it's tough because you can't really go on form because this is over the span of months. Right. So it could change. Um, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna back Milan. Mm. Just the history, Pulisic, Pulisic, Liao, Giroud. I think Loftus that cheek that is, gets he's, it he's done. A great move. Yeah, they just I think they're on a bit of a. They might be in a bit of a renaissance period. Yep. Milan, really nice campaign last year in the Champions League. They won Serie A, you know, the season before last. So I'll go with them. But it could come down to goal difference. Yeah. I mean, this could be tight. I think they're brilliant matchups. I, I can't wait to watch this group. Yeah, you can't tell me this isn't scripted after that group. I mean, Lord. Yeah. All right, next group. I don't even want to talk about this. Man City <laughs> every always time. get Leipzig every or some time. Mickey Mouse group, dude. Poor Leipzig, man. Every it, time they get pumped. Pumped. Like 7-0. It's always 10-0 on aggregate over the two <laughs> legs in a round of 16. It's or unbelievable. In the group stage. Just feel bad for them. Oh, Red Star, Young Boys. Eh. I mean, Leipzig have kind of cooled off recently. They're still in the Champions League, obviously, but I think they were on a really high trajectory, and that's kind of cooled yeah. recently. They'll uh, beat Red Star and Young Boys. Yeah, I but and I expect City to steamroll. Yeah, um, that's pretty much it for Group G. Snooze yeah. fest. Uh, group H: Barca, Porto, Shakhtar, and Antwerp. Now, on paper, it doesn't look great, but Antwerp have something about them. Mm. If you saw how <laughs> really? they won the league last year on the final day. It right, all the weird screamer. There's a feel-good factor in Belgium there. Shakhtar, I feel like, always have one or two sneaky Brazilians yep. Yep. who are kind of slipping through the cracks, usually have a show a good account themselves. And Porto, same thing with them. I think they've got a couple players um, who can you know, cause problems for teams. And when I look at Barca, they're not at their best. This Barca team are, are great on the eye. And you know can score goals, but they don't have that spine. They really don't in terms of in defense and in holding midfield. I get Frankie and Pedri; they're great players, but they don't have that enforcer. And in the Champions League, sometimes you need someone who can just control a game by themselves. I don't know if De Jong and Pedri and Gavi are that, um, but they've got this new kid coming through, Balde, Lassine Yamal, the the he's insane, sixteen-year-old Moroccan or seventeen-year-old, insane, getting big minutes. Uh, everyone's saying he's the next Messi. I do think Barca win this group, but I do think it could be any of those other three teams going through. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think it's Porto done and dusted. Yeah, I'll still pick Porto, but I think you're right. There could be yeah. some some banana skin results here for I'm gonna, them. Yeah, I'm going Shakhtar. Really? Why not? Yeah, I mean, I'll say Porto to be yeah. different, but uh, yeah, Barcelona are strange because you know there there always seems to be a bit of turmoil off the pitch, like. Financially, yeah, it's always seems the to be a mess. The, the and it's financial like, levers, it's like okay, Laporta's just about keeping them, you know, their head above water, and they just got a lot of guys on the pitch. I just I don't know how they incorporate all these. It seems like they just have dozens of midfielders, but yeah, um, but they are they are a good team to watch, and they're you know I like I like Xavi. I think I, I like sort of it's the most I've liked the direction of Barcelona in a while. Yeah, I think. But Probably still question marks and should yeah. be should be enough to get past these other three teams. All right, and then if we predict our winner, 
Um, I feel mm. like there's only a couple teams really capable at the end of the day. It's gonna be it's gonna come down to who can dethrone Man City. Yep. I look at Madrid with Bellingham. I think they're there again. Yep. That being said, does Bell? I mean, they got dominated. They got dominated the past two years. Somehow they won the year before against City, but they were just flat out dominated in the second leg this past year. So does Bellingham turn that tide? I don't know. Have they replaced Benzema's goals with Hoselu? No. Like yeah. Bellingham stepping they're up. They're playing a different way, right? Yeah. They've got they're playing with split strikers and a diamond, which seems to be working. Yeah. Um, and Ancelotti sometimes likes that formation. So I still trust them to go deep. I think it might be a year too early for I think, that midfield. I think so. It I, might be. I think it's a, a year too early before they get an Mbappe or an Aussie man. Yeah. Just because of what... If Vinicius ben, goes yeah. down... Which he is right, right now. Which he is. Where are the goals? Where are they coming from? And I think Benzema, not only his presence overall, but specifically in the Champions League. I mean, the past few years, he's really had a late career renaissance. Some of the goals he's been scoring at crucial times. Yeah. I think back to so clutch. the PSG games two years ago, the City game two years ago. Um, he's just been so clutch. So I think City still win it again. Mm. Part of me so hard to repeat. It's so though. hard to repeat, but I think you know Madrid did it. They did a 3 P. I I think the City team is just as good as that team. Maybe not with the yeah. players, but in terms of the way they play and how dominant they are. Who's going to stop them? Is it Arsenal? Listen, I don't know. Here's what a the story deal. that would be. I think... I think Arsenal are one of the few teams who could beat them over two legs. Yes. That's what I think. So I could see maybe Arsenal beating City over two legs in a quarter or semi, and then Arsenal losing to an even bigger team. I, I'm, I'm actually, I think Bayern could win it this year. Think, I'll back them to win it. Okay. Because I, yeah. I just, I really, Tuchel's won it before. Yes. With a squad that probably wasn't as good, that Chelsea team. I mean, yeah. this Bayern team, I really like it. Yeah, I think Harry Kane is huge. He's gonna be. He's gonna be up for it. Yeah. Listen, is there a question mark or whether he can deliver in a massive game like a Champions League final? Sure. Sure. But I think surrounded by those Bayern guys who have been there, done it, Kimmich, Goretzka. I know he wanted another midfielder, Tuchel. He wanted Paulinho. Maybe yep. he'll get someone else in January. Maybe. I just, I really like the attacking setup. I really like Kim and Jay and Delict at the back. I think. I think they it's are. It's all there for them. I think they're the team that is most likely to challenge City. Yeah. So I'll, I'll back the Byron boys. Caleb Stein's <laughs> Caleb team. Stein's boys. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good shout. I do think Arsenal. I mean, here's the thing with City. Inter Milan over two legs probably would have lost to City about 5-1. But they played them really close in the yeah. final because City have to alter the way they play in the final. They had to be a bit more costage because it's, it's just a one-game thing. So with that being said, anything can happen in a 90-minute game. If Arsenal can maybe avoid City, I see. I I think I I think a little different than you. I think if Arsenal can get City in the final potentially, maybe in a one-off, they're well equipped to over two legs. I don't know. I think they have a better chance than most teams beating them over two legs. Yeah, which Doesn't is mean crazy because they, they haven't been in the Champions League for which is crazy. But I just now. I just get that feeling like they've played them. They've beaten them. They beat them. I mean, Community Shield on penalties, but like I think they can go to the Etihad and get a draw. Yeah. Right, and that's crucial. Yeah. So, and maybe they just nick it at the Emirates. I just think they'll—they're just a different test. 
You know, they're not really going to do what a Madrid and Bayern are do. They could go at them and and win it. And yeah. we've seen them almost do that. We've seen them have a lot more possession than City in a one-off game and nearly do it. This could be the year that they do it. Also, if you're making comparisons maybe to some of those Liverpool teams in like 17, right. 18, they were on the up in the Prem and didn't get them in the Prem, but they knocked them out in the Champions exactly. League that year, exactly. lost in the final. I see a lot of that Liverpool team and this Arsenal team in the way they're you know, competing it's against just City. Vibe, man. It's, it's just a vibe, man. It's just a vibe. Will Arteta screw it up, though? Will he tinker himself out of it? Who knows? Um, all right, so I have City repeating. You have Bayern winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, good stuff. That's going to wrap things up for the episode here. We'll see you back next week. Hopefully we'll have a, we'll have a huge North London derby to talk about. We'll have loads of Champions League to talk about. It'll be a great episode, so make sure not to miss that. Uh, next Monday or Wednesday, we'll figure that out. Uh, but until then, thank you for listening. Thank you.